0: Make sure to take measurements in your pit. Um, you know, if you all of a sudden start seeing uh, manure going up you know, very quickly, uh, you know, that could likely be foam. Um, it's a lot easier to deal with foam when you have a foot or two foot of space in between the slats and the foam. Um, when you start getting that foam coming through the four slats, um, your options start to get limited and you are reaching very dangerous uh, levels
1: it's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket swine it podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits genesis the first power in genetics AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Eastman Animal Nutrition. Visit EASTMAN.com. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Healthy Farms by Biovers. We have a time and labor saving product for you. Agrislats by Healthy Farms is your solution. No more lugging jugs around the barn every month. With AgriSlats, you simply drop the slat through the floor twice a year, and it works to break down solids, reduces crusting, and forming. To learn more, visit MyHealthyFarms.com.
2: Hello everyone, I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Matthew Schutte, who is a technical salesperson for Bioverse. How are you today, Matthew?
0: Pretty good, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, Matthew, before we jump into the topic at hand, um, I'm going to have you do a little bit of an introduction about yourself in case our audience isn't familiar with you. So would you please go ahead and introduce yourself?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, born and raised uh, Rushmore, Minnesota, a uh, corn soybean farm with some cattle and pigs. Um, uh, went to Got my associate's degree at Minnesota West, got my bachelor's degree in uh, agronomy at SDSU, and got my master's in crop production at SDSU as well. Um, right after college, I uh, went to work at Bioverse. Um, it was a local company. Um, they said that they wanted uh, somebody with uh, crop production experience, but uh, and then that they would train kind of on the animal science side. And, uh, yeah, that's what they did. Uh, one of the uh, board members, uh, Dr. Schmidt, Dr. Connie Schmitt, um, really great guy, uh, learned a lot about microbials, about manure, everything, pretty much swine, uh, kind of learned a lot from him over the years. So,
2: Very good. And so um, maybe just a little bit of a background about who Bioverse is or what exactly you do, and then we can jump into some conversation around manure.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, uh, Bioverse is, uh, started out as an and d company in the cities uh, oh, 20, 25 years ago. Um, they just had a, a, a kind of a corn-based resin sphere delivery system for microbials. Um, it got out of the R&D phase oh, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, one of the big things that they treated with it was ponds, golf courses, and such like that. Um, did that for quite a while. And then uh, some more agriculturally inclined people got interested in the product, to wanting to use it for manure-based systems, uh, using that delivery system. And uh, they got into the company and, yeah, did that. Um, We had the AgriSphere. So it's a six-inch sphere made out of a corn-based resin, so you can just throw it in the pit. Over time, it'll degrade to the point that it won't be there anymore. Um, from there, we went to the agar slat. Uh, that way, instead of a six inch sphere, we went to a uh, slat that fits in between the four slats uh, in, in a hog barn. So, um, and we've kind of just kept innovating from there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So, I think that's actually a really good lead in. So, and that's how I knew Bioverse too um, from years ago. Of course, the little spheres that you throw into the pits and magically takes care of the manure below. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's really talk about that manure below. Um, This fall, of course, right now, at least when we're taking this recording, and many of our farmers are almost done getting crops out of the field and certainly are thinking about fall applications. And no doubt when we start thinking about fall applications, one of the bigger concerns we have outside of gas emissions will, of course, be that foaming in the pits. And so, Maybe let's just start there. Is what causes the foaming of the pits?
0: Uh, well, it's important to kind of look, and there's uh, actually kind of two different kinds of sources of the foam. Uh, one of the uh, common ones that you'll see is where you'll see a lot of liquid in the pit. But when you start agitating that pit up and you start putting in the manure tanker, um, manure is kind of like a can of pop or a can of beer, where you know it has a lot of dissolved uh, carbon dioxide in it. And once you start shaking it up, uh, that movement releases that, and you get a lot of gas that comes out of there. Uh, manure is kind of the same way. That's a you know, big safety hazard that you can have hydrogen sulfide. Um, but what you also can have happen is that that air or the, those gases can be trapped in foam. Um, and you might not have any foam in the pit, but when it goes into that manure tanker, it might be you know a third foam. So if you have a 9,000-gallon you know, honey wagon, uh you might only be getting six thousand gallons in there. Um and that can be really annoying for guys that wanna, you know, in the fall there's a lot to do. You're trying to beat the frost, uh uh, so you want to get as much done as quickly as you can. Uh so you want to be able to haul as much as you can. Uh especially since that foam going through the injectors doesn't exactly you know, wasn't designed to do that. So um but the other type of foam that we have is uh kind of methane-based foam, where we have uh, microbials that go nuts. They take over somehow. Um, They uh, produce a ton of methane gas, and that gets trapped in that foam. And that's the kind where we might see, you know, a few inches to a few feet of foam in these barns. Um, It's very common to see that towards the end of the year, or at least it's a lot more noticeable because, you know, when you only have a foot or two of slurry and you have a couple feet of foam, a lot of growers might not notice that. But it's also just that heat that's getting in there kind of makes that even more active. And so starting in July all the way until pumping, we get a lot of calls about foam because it's getting really high up there, starting to compromise ventilation, uh, and it's getting very dangerous at that point. Um, so that's that's when we uh, we get a lot of calls this time of year to to take care of it and to take care of it as quickly and safely as possible.
2: So. hmm And I think you bring up a really good point, right? Because we've seen that methane type of foam creep up through the slats. And that is definitely different than what happens, of course, when we agitate and, and pump manure out. So let's maybe start with that methane foam first and talk about what are the steps to control it. So if I do walk in the barns tomorrow and I start to see it moving up over the slats, what are some options that we have today?
0: Uh, I usually like to go and just reference. Uh, University of Minnesota had a study done where they added uh, ruminant 90, uh, and the most important thing is the active ingredient monensin, uh, you know, used for bloated cattle uh, that have uh, methane production in their rumen. And in that study, they found five to fifteen pounds per hundred thousand gallons of uh, slurry uh, is an acceptable amount to use. Um, I usually, you know, start at the five pounds, but if somebody's kind of guessing that they have three, four hundred thousand. Pounds of that in there, well, then we might want to round up usually. Um, But that does take two to three weeks to kick in. And usually, when somebody's calling, they're saying, Hey, I got a problem now, and I need to fix it now. Um, So, we also have a defoaming product. It's just a corn based oil uh, that works at knocking down that foam kind of quickly. There's a ton of different ways to go about this, too. I've seen guys where um, they might turn on sprinklers uh, just to have that water, just kind of weigh that down. A lot of guys, they like to use petroleum-based products like diesel and waste oil. Um, It's not exactly good for the microbials and the manure and such, but, you know, yeah, you can't convince everybody to go about it the right way. So, um, But, yeah, that's kind of the most important thing. Is just, you know, that remensin is going to be, or that menensin, the active ingredient, is going to be uh, kind of a long-term solution. But it does kill the pit and kill a lot of the microbes that are in that pit. Um So what we like to do is two to three weeks afterwards, after it's kind of worn down enough, um, we like to re-inoculate it with the microbe again. So because I've seen quite a few barns or I've had quite a few calls where guys, they did that last year or six months ago, and now they've got a hellacious solids issue or, or a crusting issue or they got the foam back again. Because, you know, when you kill that off, I mean, that is a very energy dense, uh, rich resource for those microbes in somebody's going to get in there and take over and they're, you know, either you're not going to have uh, you're going to have foaming come back again, or you might just have a, a ton of solids uh, if those microbes don't take over or the right ones don't take over. Um, and then you're going to have a real problem on your hands. So um, it's important to re-inoculate it after you've killed that pit, essentially.
2: Right. I think you bring up a good point. We kind of jumped right into foaming, but we didn't really talk about what's really happening in that pit. And so, Maybe let's take a step back. You've thrown out the word microbes and we've talked about gas and we've talked about solids. But um, for those of, of the audience that may not be very familiar with what is actually happening within that pit, can you talk just a little bit in basic terms about what we see happening over the years that pit is charging and, and working?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been very difficult to predict what factors are going to cause foaming to start. Uh, but one of the big things uh, uh, that we know is that when we do have foaming, there's three factors that have to happen. Um, you know, you have to have the gas production. Um, that's one of the big, you know, you don't have that. You don't have foaming. Uh, you have to have uh, 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 the fibers uh, from the bacteria to kind of hold that foam together and stabilize it. Um, so you kind of need all of those factors there to to have a stabilized foam that is going to continue to grow. Um, And what we're trying to do is eliminate one of those uh, because it's kind of like a tripod. If you get rid of one of those, the tripod collapses. Um, So if you use menensin, which reduces the gas production, um, it will no longer have any gas and then it will eventually go down on its own. Um, If you use something like a uh, defomer, um, that's just disrupting those bubbles. um, So the gas production is still there, uh, but those bubbles are disrupted or that foam is disrupted. So that air or that gas can be released um and i do tell people that you know we are releasing a lot of gas there so it's important that your ventilation is you know maximized as much as possible uh, so you don't have any buildup of methane and have a flash fire or an explosion Um, so what we're trying to do is just disrupt that somehow so that we can uh, take care of those microbes that might be causing that Um, and usually all three of those factors are caused by a variety of microbes Um, but how do you get there or how do you uh, purposefully create foam? Uh, it's, it's very difficult. Um, you know, It's hard to identify one single thing because uh, I'll have tons of guys that'll say, hey, I got four pits at this site and only one of them is foaming. I mean, they have the same exact feed, same genetics, same everything. They get pumped out the same, but only one of them is foaming. You know what's going on? And honestly, I can't. I don't have an answer to that. I just know how to fix it. and right now, that, that's usually the most important thing. So,
2: Right, exactly. And and we know, you know there's a ton of bacteria in, in the pig and whatever is coming out is what's going into the pit. And through a variety of things, right? It could be moisture in the pit. It could be just a little bit different temperature in that location. Something is changing the microbial population that then, of course, is triggering the foam. So I think you bring up some some very good points there, especially for our audience that maybe aren't quite as familiar with what's really happening in the pit um, and we'll kind of go back now to that control conversation where you're talking about putting in the monensin or adding an oil or something like that um, I've seen this happen before too of okay well I, I bought the rumensin I'm just going to dump it in one spot in the pit does that work or should we be more strategic about how we manage the applications to control foam
0: Um, yeah, it's best to spread it out as best as possible. Um, you know, and I do know some, uh, producers out there or integrators really that will use remensin on every pit every time, just because they've had issues in the past and they have safety being a top priority. You know, they don't want to risk it. So they're going to buy tons of this stuff, uh, to kind of knock it down. Um, it's one of those deals where, yeah, we don't want to be using too much of this, uh, if we don't have to. Um, but yeah, if there is an issue, yeah, we definitely want to be using it, but you want to spread it out as much as you can throughout the pit. Um, and you want to keep it away from the pigs. Uh, it's definitely not, uh, meant for the pigs. It can cause, uh, you know, poisoning, uh, death to the pigs if they get a hold of it. So you definitely want to either apply it in an area that they can't, uh, uh access it or make sure you rinse it off, uh, as soon as you apply it. So. Mm-hmm. That's
2: a good point, too. Um, One other thing that that comes to mind, at least for me, is you then said, okay, well, after a few weeks, once that works, we've likely killed off the bacteria. So now we need to re-inoculate the pit. And we know during this time, the pigs are still in there, they're still defecating and urinating, and they're still adding bacteria. So what does re-inoculation really look like or really mean? Because that might be a little confusing to a few people.
0: Um. Yeah, we're just trying to add a, a, a pit product, you know, of course I'm going to recommend like the agrospheres or agroslants um, but really just any pit product that has microbial isolates that are uh, picked or chosen uh, to uh, liquefy that, that manure in a beneficial way because um, essentially it's the wild west in there right now whatever bugs get in there first and start dominating first, they're going to be the ones that take over and you don't want it to be like that. You know, the best way to think about it is, you know, you have a nice growing cornfield and you go and you till that up and all of a sudden you've got nothing there. Um, you know, you might have corn pop up again, but really you're probably more likely going to have weeds pop up. So you want to go out there and, you know, seed some corn back in there so you can have that growing again. Um, you just don't want to leave it to random chance that okay, I hope that we're going to have good bugs in there. Uh, That will be beneficial to that manure. Uh, You want to go out there and purposefully direct uh, that microbial community to one that's going to be beneficial to you uh, to digest those solids. You don't have to deal with the other issues like solids and crusting. So,
2: So, yeah, let's jump into that. Let's talk about solids. So, again, solids are just the non-digested portion of the manure, right, that's coming out of the pig and it's going into the pit. And that's kind of what we anticipate the bacteria to be working on. But what do we do if we find ourselves in a situation um, where we are getting more solids than we are um, really a a nice homogenous mixture, if you will?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so kind of comes down to, you know, if they haven't been treating in the past, uh, you know, go ahead and treat that pit. Uh, one of the big things that we have with the agri spheres and agri is that we have that corn resin delivery system and it gets it down to the bottom of the manure. Um, you know, because most of the microbes that are used to treat uh, pits out there are facultative anaerobes, so they can go with or without oxygen, but they would prefer oxygen. Um, so they're going to want to stay near uh, where there's a relative amount of dissolved oxygen near the top. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to force them down to the bottom and get them attached to those solids so that they can uh, liquefy that. Uh, break that up, and uh, make it a lot easier when it comes to fall pumping. Uh, but, yeah, you can achieve that with our products. Uh, that's what we're designed uh, uh, to do. But there's other products out there that, yeah, you, if you are just get done fall pumping and you see exposed solids, um, you know, like we have a product called Activator Plus. Uh, it's just a 25-pound powder of our bacteria. You can mix that up with water, pour that directly on those solids, and that can help make, uh, melt that down. Um, You can do that with shallow pits a lot more often because with a shallow pit, you're draining that out more often. So you're able to see and uh, apply directly to those solids, the microbes. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I I think that's a really uh, good point to make. And the other one that you mentioned there was crusting. So why should I be concerned about crusting? Isn't crusting a relatively okay thing to have?
0: Uh, well, what happens with crusting is that, yeah, you just have solids that'll be floating on top. And then uh, with all the ventilation blowing through, it uh, starts to dry up. Um, and then that creates a perfect uh, breeding ground for flies. Uh, so you'll just have tons of maggots down there. And eventually the fly population is going to be insane. Uh, it's going to be a huge nuisance to anybody that's working in those conditions. Um, and they're also a vector for disease. So... Um, it's good to have those taken care of, uh, I've walked in barns, uh, you know, I, I've walked in a lot of tough barns because usually people call me when there's something wrong, never when there's you know something good going on. Um, but I've walked into hog barns where you know, it's 1200 head hog barn and they're sweeping up, uh, a five gallon bucket of, uh, dead flies almost every day. Um, and it was just extraordinarily miserable just even talking to that guy on the site, let alone inside the barn. Um. So it's definitely something that we wanted to take care of very quickly. Uh, and so what we do is same thing. We want to use a bacteria, especially one that can target the top. Um, and want to usually target it around those waters. Because, um, you know, microbes are not going to digest a dry crust. Uh, they need liquid to be able to do it. So you usually start around the waters where there might be some wastage. Um, and then it can kind of grow and expand from there and uh, digest that crust and break it up. So.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. And one of the things that I always remember with crust and, and fly control was really around um, how often we did it. So we tended to do it about once a quarter. Is that normal? Is Should we do it less? I mean, what do you typically see in terms of how often we need to do some pit type of maintenance, some type of an additive program to, to crust down and solids in control?
0: You know, so if you're using... Uh... You know, like we have slats and spheres, they have a time-release component to them, so you can just apply them in the spring, and it's continually releasing uh, uh, fresh bacteria into that uh, uh, manure. Uh, so you constantly are having it applied over the summer. Um, we have Activator Plus as well, that's in a dry bucket, uh, or that's just a bucket of dry uh, microbials. Uh, you can apply that monthly. Um, and that can help uh, reduce it as well. Um, but there is other options like uh, Tempo insecticide, um, you know, because a lot of guys, we're just dealing with the maggots. So by the time that we get that crust liquefied and the maggots are taken out of that cycle, I mean, you're still going to have to deal with those flies for another couple weeks. And uh, it can be pretty miserable. So I recommend to guys use something like Tempo, um, you know, just make sure to spray that. Um Anywhere in the barn that the pigs can't access while it's wet. Uh, Once it's dry, it's a relatively safe product. Um, But yeah, we want to spray anywhere on there. It's also good to know that that is a product, uh, that insecticide is a good product to apply on anything that's not really absorbent. But if it's something like concrete, you need to make sure that you spray a good bit on there. uh, Because concrete can kind of absorb that uh, a little bit more. So um, Otherwise yeah, there's a lot of stuff like Golden Marlin that are popular out there, but yeah, you just you really want to make sure that you're taking care of the maggots uh, while also taking care of the flies. And you're getting both uh, both parts of the cycle and then breaking that up so you don't have you know new uh, flies replenishing all the ones that you killed previously. So.
2: yeah, and there are also like feed additives that you could add obviously as well for some fly control. Um, But again, I think the key is really how do we manage the pit? Um, Because if we manage the pit well, then we don't have the crust there to even worry about those other products. Um, What would be, just out of curiosity, what would be what I would call the common pitfalls of pit management? What do you see are some of the the biggest things that people do incorrectly that if they did correctly would make their lives a little bit easier?
0: A lot of guys, they just do nothing at all. Um, They just... Yeah, they don't want to spend any money. Um, you know, and a lot of guys that build hog barns, they might be on a tight budget uh, at first, and they don't want to spend anything extra because they didn't budget it in. Um, or a lot of guys, uh, they have it where, hey, we've never done anything for, you know, five years, ten years, never had a problem, um, so I don't, you don't know, need it now. Uh, the thing is, is that things change. Uh, in 2020, when people were really trying to slow pigs down, they were feeding a lot of fiber to these pigs. And uh, we had calls at the Wazoo uh, about crusting and such and solid issues uh, because, you know, when you're feeding a lot of fiber to slow those pigs down, um, that, that has to go somewhere and that goes in the pit. And uh, we had a ton of uh, pit-related issues uh, due to that. Um, so 2020, the fall of 2020 was kind of a unique year in that regard. Um, so it, it's just, yeah, just be proactive about it, um, you know, get ahead of it treat it and try to reduce a variable out of it. Um, One guy that I worked with, you know, he said uh, uh, you, you want that to be a resource, but the day that that becomes a problem, uh, manure goes from being, you know, manure to being crap. And uh, you don't want it to be crap, Uh, especially with fertilizer values where they are now. I mean, it is, you know, liquid gold. Um, You know, when you've got nitrogen, phosphorus, uh, potassium at, you know, pretty high levels. Uh, you know, it's nice to have something like that that uh, has a lot of those macronutrients uh, in a high amount, but also the micronutrients. Uh, and you're adding a lot of carbon, uh, so you're kind of building that uh, organic matter. And we see uh, crop yields being extremely high with uh, with adding manure to that ground. And you want to make sure that you're getting everything you possibly can. You know, you don't want to be leaving six inches or a foot of manure in the bottom of that pit, but you also want it to spin up easily so that you know, if you have a nice liquefied manure, it spins up really easily. And the uh, nutrient analysis difference from the first load to the last load isn't as big of a difference um, compared to if you are using or not using a product at all. So uh, that's just, there's a lot of benefits to being proactive. So,
2: absolutely. And even one of the ones that I would see quite frequently would be more with the shallow pits or the pull plug pits where. Maybe they drain too much, um, take too much of the liquid out. Um, and even then you have some challenges, right? So we get some more drying material, we get more crusting, um, and they just don't keep those pits properly charged. So, and of course, then that goes back to some odor issues as well and, and so forth. So I do think there's a lot of things that we can learn from those, from those pits. We, it tends to be kind of the forgotten structure, if you, if you will, of a facility. It's just exists, but, um. There are more things we can do to benefit, like you mentioned, especially right now with, with the value of that manure, to make it so that it's more nutrient-ready for our crops.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and manure is going to get probably more difficult to manage as time goes on. Um, you know, water use efficiency is a huge benefit uh, to taking care of it. But, you know, when I'm working with cattle barns, uh, some of the easiest ones or uh, the ones that have the easiest time managing their manure is the ones that add water Uh you know, they might have their gutters draining into the manure pit. Um, you know, on cattle, they have a high solid content uh, for waste. Uh, but you know, pigs—it's the same thing. Uh, we're going to wet-dry feeders a lot, um, and when guys go to wet-dry feeders, um, they might be saving thousands and thousands of gallons of water. Uh, but that does make that liquefaction of that manure a lot more difficult. You know, you remove the liquid; it's not going to be as much liquid uh, in that manure, and it's going to be a bit tougher to pump out. So it's something that people have to take into account um, that, you know, as we are getting better at uh, uh, water use efficiency, uh, manure is going to be a little bit more difficult to handle.
2: So great points. Well, Matt, Matthew, as we kind of wrap up our time um, with this portion of the podcast, what would be a couple take home points that you would like our audience to remember from today's discussion around manure
0: management? Um, you know, if you, yeah, make sure to take measurements in your pit. Um, you know, if you all of a sudden start seeing, uh, manure going up, you know, very quickly, uh, you know, that could likely be foam. Um, it's a lot easier to deal with foam when you have a foot or two foot of space in between the slats and the foam. Um, when you start getting that foam coming through the four slats, um, your options start to get limited and you are reaching very Dangerous uh, levels, so it's very important to just you know look into that pit either with a flashlight or you're taking measurements. Um, just some way that you're looking down there and you're seeing, okay, do I have a problem? If not, okay, I'm good. If so, let's take care of it. Um, same thing that goes for crusting. I mean, crusting, uh, we might get flies that start in you know April and May, but crusting happens in December and January, so you can look down in that pit and you can see. Uh, that you have a crusting issue and if you can take care of it before those flies uh, start taking over uh, that's important so and then also just talk to your manure pumper i mean the guy has to you know mix up a lot of manure for you um, if he notices that there's an issue uh, yeah listen to him uh just you know try to help him out uh, treat those pits and keep that liquefied form him uh, and he'll also tell you if he's having foaming issues or anything else like that too so
2: yeah, excellent points. Right, manure management is not a once in the fall kind of opportunity. It's it's really a year round activity, and um, you know treat it much like you would maintaining your motors and so forth in your in your barns. So I absolutely agree.
0: Yeah, because you definitely don't want to be taking care of manure when you want to be combining corn or beans or something instead. So
2: absolutely, absolutely. Great, great points, Uh, great discussion points as well, Matthew. It is time to our famous three.
1: A worldwide leader in animal nutrition, Adeseo's portfolio of products includes methionine, the full range of vitamins, enzymes, organic selenium, probiotics, mycotoxin management strategies, and palatability products. With such a diverse offering, Adiseo supports its customers with a broad range of expertise, tools, and services to help them maintain a competitive advantage. Adiseo, fueling predictable profits. To learn more, visit Adiseo at www.adiseo.com. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Ivonic. We are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Swine management to the next level. Cloudfarms.com. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance.
2: So as we kind of wrap up today, we like to ask just a couple of simple questions of our guest speakers. Uh, The first question really is, would you recommend a swine resource to the audience today?
0: Um, you know, I just kind of looked at, uh, university extension, um, you know, they have a lot of great articles. I mean, like the University of Minnesota study on uh, ramentsin usage in swine pits. Uh, you know, they're the ones that did the work. Um, University of Iowa or Iowa State, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, they uh, do fantastic work on foaming. Um, you know, so just a lot of these universities, they, they do a lot of work on that stuff. And um, you might not see that stuff or notice it until you go and look it up. So um, if you ever have any questions on, uh, manure, there's actually a lot of information on it, a lot of uh, uh good studies on it. Um yeah, you just have to look. So
2: very good. How about something that's not related to pigs? Is there you know anything that you enjoy reading that that you think the audience might be interested in?
0: Um I just kinda listen to podcasts, uh you know, I read a little bit here and there. Uh yeah podcasts I'll uh, uh listen to something like hardcore history um, and then as far as reading, yeah, same thing. Uh, I grow pumpkins and watermelons and, and uh, raspberries and strawberries uh, as a self-serve and uh, you pick operation. Um, and I'm always trying to learn more about those, uh, you know, because they're kind of new stuff for me. And, and uh, yeah, like Pennsylvania, uh, Penn State, they have uh, a lot of great resources on uh, commercial production of those different kind of crops. The uh, University of Minnesota does, too. So. Um, yeah, I'll kind of check that stuff out and try to learn as much as I can.
2: So Absolutely. it It is fascinating how to grow different things, right? It, yeah. I work around a lot of pumpkin fields around here, so it's fun to see, you know, how fast these pumpkins can grow. And, you know, obviously it's more than just putting the seed in the ground that I grew up with in the garden. So um, I'm sure it's fascinating reading.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: The last question I have for you is if you can think of somebody who you defined as successful in your life, what would be a trait that you think they have that's allowed them to be successful?
0: Um, there's quite a few people uh, that, uh, yeah, I define as successful. And, but the one trait that I notice that's common between a lot of them is, you know, never stop learning. Um, you know, just cause you're not in a classroom or not in school doesn't mean you can't stop learning. Um, I, I, Honestly, coming out of college, I didn't go to college for anything swine-related, but I just listened and read and talked to a bunch of people that did know a lot about it and uh, just tried to learn as much as I could so that I can be a a good resource for uh, my growers.
2: Absolutely. Lifelong learners, we've heard that a lot, um, for sure. Uh, Over the, the podcasts that I've done, at least a lot of speakers have said the same thing. People that have that desire to learn and are willing to do it um, goes a long ways. Well, again, for our audience, this is Matthew Shuti, who is, um, part of the Bioverse crew. So Matthew, again, we want to thank you for your time and your expertise on manure management.
0: Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to Nutritionist.com.